Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. I am Chad Simpson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Gian Lemmy. Our mission at this podcast is to serve coaches through conversations so that they can lead like Jesus. And as G and I and I started this podcast, we were just racking our brains, thinking through our contact list, and it's been pretty amazing for us to see um, the Liberty Network and how wide it goes. And uh, today we have a, another Liberty connection to bring the conversation. And, and Gian, you had the chance to sit down and conduct this one. Yeah, Chad, I got the chance to interview uh, Jason Aker from Oklahoma Baptist. Yeah, and I, I remember when we were students, I remember seeing Jason on the sideline and I loved his intensity, his passion as assistant coach. I noticed that going to their games. Yeah, I remember watching him do one-on-one workouts with uh, Seth Curry that one year that he was here before he transferred to Duke, and it was just intense. It was, the intensity is what really called my attention. Yeah, they're just doing very basic drills, but the intensity in that part of the workout was just amazing. And can you tell the, the listeners, where did he go after his stop at Liberty? Yeah, so he was an assistant coach at Liberty for eight years, and then he went to Mercer to be the assistant coach there. And now he's at Oklahoma Baptist for the last two years. And we'll talk about it in the interview, but they made it to the NCAA tournament this year for the first time as a Division II program. They used to be big a time. big time program in the NAIA, and then they just moved to Division II about five years ago. And in his second year as the head coach, they made it to NCAA. They didn't get to play in it because of COVID, but they, uh, they definitely made a big impact in, the, in their season. My biggest takeaway, Gian, from this interview was just how Jason knows who he is. He's been around uh, many great, great coaches, and he's taken pieces from each, but he's very self-aware and knows himself, and you can really hear that throughout this interview. Yeah, I really liked how thoughtful he was in every answer, and we talked about a variety of topics, and we can't wait for you to hear it. Coach Aker, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast. Um, we like to start our interviews with a power question, and that's, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, there's a lot of parts to that question as it relates to me and just my coaching philosophy. But first and foremost – I think your example in Christ and trying to model for your players, how does someone who loves their particular sport, in my case, it's basketball, how can you be all about ball and all about Christ at the same time? And so I don't have any, uh, problem admitting this obviously um there's plenty of good and bad information out there about me but for the young people to see you not only fail at that but for you to be vulnerable with them to tell them what you're going through or what you want to do better or but at the same time them seeing your heart um you know like i i think like last sunday we had five of our players show up um, it wasn't mandatory to our church, to me and Meredith's church, and them seeing us there and for it not being about that we knew they were going to be there, but them seeing that this is just what you do as a 
as a husband, as a father, as a Christian coach. Um, I think that's a small example. I think the bigger examples are those intimate times of the ups and downs that you spend with them and how you choose to spend your time with them because we all only have so much time with the NCAA allows and the calendar allows for our sport. And so what are you willing to spend on talking about other things? Um, and I think there's ebbs and flows of that. But to wrap it all up, um, I know that's a long-winded uh, hello um, from your first question, but I think serving them and truly loving the Lord is what it means to be a Christian coach. And then through all your ups and downs and your sin nature and your human nature, they'll see what comes to the forefront because we are going to stumble. We are going to fall. We, we aren't, no matter what some coaches try to be all buttoned up that they they're want to be perceived a certain way. I just, I've never viewed it that way. I've just am so thankful that I'm redeemed, I'm restored, um, and that I have Christ in my life. And so I want to honor him and in, in what I do um, with my profession, knowing that, you know, my sin nature is going to come out and coming back to him and, and them just seeing that process of your 40 year old um, guy. And um, I love the Lord. And so I wouldn't be on this podcast. I wouldn't have my family or my job or whatever without, without that relationship with the Lord. And so I know I can be a poor representative of at times, and I have been, um, if you know anything about my testimony. But I'm so thankful that he doesn't see any of us that way, that his love and forgiveness and that relationship will live on forever. Yeah. Going, going through, thanks, first of all, for opening up your heart. Appreciate that. Um, what, what are things that you've come as you grow in Christ? What are some things that you do on a daily or weekly basis to stay close to him so that then you can be an example to your family and your players? Well, that's a good question. There's a lot of things. Um, I have a lot of um, accountability um, partners in my life currently. Um, men of the faith. I've always tried to surround uh, myself um, with men of wisdom. I I would say uh, church, my, our local church, I would say um, – you know, one of the things that I did that I had never done before is the weekend that our players were coming back. Um, I went to a men's retreat where you just go for three or four days and you shut off your phone. And that's something as a younger um, coach, a younger man, a younger husband, I would have never um, done. But it makes even more sense to me of if we're going to be tasked with filling up other people's cups all the time, motivating, inspiring, leading, failing, disciplining, um, cheering for as a head coach. Now, looking back, it only made sense knowing what was ahead. We were probably a couple months in, and we've had a lot of tough days since. Yeah. Spending that three or four days surrounded by uh, men and a staff in the middle of nowhere, just spending time with the Lord and spending time being mentored on how to be a man 
And so then I've used all of that in our sessions with our team of what I was taught. And so I would never would have been able to teach that if I hadn't first slowed down um, and had men teach myself. I would say another thing is counseling. And I don't know. I think the stigma of it has is slowly but surely wearing off of uh, you don't have to go to a counseling because any other reason other than it's a healthy thing to do, whether it be marriage counseling or personal counseling. And so that's, that's one of the things I talk openly with our team about. Um, I've been in counseling um, for a long time, probably since I've been in counseling since I left Liberty to tell you the truth. Um, I'm trying to think back. It seems like an eternity ago. Um, I'm trying to think what year it was, but ever since I've been here as a head coach, I've been in counseling and I always miss a pocket of like a Monday. Mm-hmm. And so I share that with our team. And, and as we've been going through this fall, I've really been worried about their mental health of all, all around the country, all these athletes yeah. with the quarantine and the pandemic and now the uncertainty of college athletics and my own past of um, mental health struggles, mental health challenges, and, and having to become even more self-aware um, this last decade or so of just what makes me me and what are how to be more self-aware of, of my struggles or, or a sweet spot for me and my family. And so I think counseling, local church, I think it's so important for us men to be – surrounded by what I would call like a band of brothers that you can reach out to. Um, and they won't just appease you um, and agree with everything you say, say, but they will actually challenge you and support you. And their goal for that interaction is for you to get back on track with your team or, or with or relationships with your family and having the right, having the right friends. And so I've always been lucky um, and fortunate and blessed in that way of, of having that band of brothers. And so I've, I've been in the process here the last six months of trying to grow that um, and just walking that journey as a Christian um, father, husband, coach, um, and trying the very best that I can. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, ever since we... My, my wife and I got married eight years ago. We've always tried to look for a church where we could get connected. And um, about three, four years ago, we found one where we had, we went to life group and our lives have just become exponentially better and more fulfilling for the Lord. Just having that band of people around you that you can do life with, it can go through the same struggles with you and he can, you know, help you when you're in need, but can also, point out some things that maybe are contradictory about what you're saying you want, you're, you're, you're all about and what you're doing. Um, so I'd have to agree with that. Uh, you're now at Oklahoma Baptist. You just went through a 22 and nine season this past spring and got their first program birth to NCAA. Is that correct? Is that? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma Baptist is a historic and nationally renowned um, basketball program over the last 60 plus years but up until five years ago they were an NAIA program yeah and so it was the first NCAA, NCAA yeah. um, 
tournament, um, not appearance because we didn't get to play, but yeah. <laughs> um, in the Division Two era. And yeah. so that's what's been that's great. That's what's been neat yeah. about being here is because the success here in men's basketball is so unprecedented, um, and it has such a legacy that with us going to NCAA Division Two five years ago, I wasn't here then. Yeah. But it's given our coaching and motivating and and goals and dreams. It it's neat when you're able to put in front of your players. It is the first time that this school. Yeah. Uh, it can be misleading, and that's why I try to. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. That's why why I try to qualify it. Um, my dad was a part of the first ever national championship uh, team here in 1966. They won another national championship in 2010. They went to 10 NEI um, final fours. Um, they've been so yeah. the the amount of coaching and playing over 60 years. Yeah. If I were to read off all the um, statistical, you know, just benchmarks of our program, but we've been NCAA certified for five years. I've been the head coach here for two. Um, we've had quick success. Um, we've been very fortunate in who we've been able to sign. Um, it's been the thrill of a lifetime of being back here where I started, where my dad went to school and graduated. Um, and so this is back home for me. Yeah. And so for me to get my first head coaching opportunity at a place that I have such history at, it's been really cool. It's been really cool. And yeah. I feel really lucky to be here. Yeah. Well, it, it's such a so sec- successful program. You know, it has a hu- huge history. What, what are some of the core values that you brought as you came into this program um, that now you instill in your players on a yearly basis or daily basis? Well, we don't we don't have many lists. We don't have many charts. Um, we don't have many slogans. I'm really not that kind of guy. Um, our core values, if you were to, if I were to be at a coaching clinic, would be unselfishness, togetherness, enthusiasm, competitive. trying to think of uh, really to tell you the truth our culture and our values we all know what it is and so I don't I don't really know how to explain it but they all know me and I know them and we're gonna do what we do the and, best way is to model it yeah and I just am not into that type of stuff That's... and I know that uh, I'm never gonna be a Tony Bennett or <laughs> or Richie McKay, um, or all a lot of the great coaches that I've, I was around when I was at Liberty, I'm going to be me. And so I've found that to be a very advantageous trait um, as a head coach is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God has put in my heart. And I love Coach McKay. He's gave me my first coach – coaching full-time division one opportunity there at actually at Liberty. We actually had him out here last year and he spoke to our team. And I, we, me and my wife have just absolutely loved watching him and coach Susie have um, the success that they've had at Liberty, but I'm nothing like him. 
Um, I admire him, and I feel like he soars with his strengths and how genuine he is and, and his experiences and his journey on Christ, with Christ, with his family. And I feel the same about uh, me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit from all the wonderful men that I've had the privilege of working for, but each of us is different. God has given all of us different gifts. God has created all of us so different. And for us to for us to ever try to be a lesser version of someone else is disrespectful and not what the Lord would intend. And so I'm going to be Jay. Um, I'm going to be me. And so I think I think that's why it's gone well. Is I I'm comfortable with me. And so I, I'm always trying to improve. I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to learn from great men like a Richie McKay, like a Brad Susie. I, I used to tell our players um, when we, I worked with Coach Susie about, you know, that was what was so good about our staff, in my opinion, is Coach McKay has always had staffs that he's had a good blend of people, and he, he always encouraged me and has continued to encourage me to this day. We keep, we keep in touch a lot to be myself, and so – I used to always laugh at uh, when it was Coach Lair, Coach Susie, and myself, and then Coach McKay was the head coach. Of I could never be Brad Susie. I admire him. I love his heart for the Lord. He is just – I will never be that. He's 50 times better than me. And so I, I don't ever – I'm at that point now that doesn't discourage me. I'm just on my – I'm just running my own race. And I, I love and admire those men for those type of coaches and who they are. But I'm never, I'm never going to be anybody. None of us is ever going to be anybody but ourselves. And so the, the more we try to downgrade our own selves, I think the Lord, um, I don't know that he would ever shake his head at any of us in a literal sense. But I don't think that, that what he has intended for our coaching careers, for our lives, is to try to be like someone else. Yeah, you you talked talked a little bit about being an assistant coach. Now that you're a head coach, what are some things that you are looking for in an assistant coach for your program? Well, I look for a lot in an assistant coach, and the assistant coach that I have, um, the only reason why he's here, and the one of the only reasons why we're successful at Oklahoma Baptist is because of him. And he's a Liberty um, guy. Oh. So when uh, Coach Lair was – when Coach McKay went to UVA with Coach Bennett, Coach Lair and I hired uh, Josh Davis as our graduate assistant there at Liberty. His dad had worked um, at Liberty prior to, right before I was hired there by a man by the name of Randy Dunton. He had worked for Coach Dunton, and then I went on to work for him. We never worked together, but we kind of – he was leaving as I was coming. So long story short, he wrote me an email um, that year um, and asked that, you know, we consider his son to be a graduate assistant. So we, long story short, we ended up hiring him. He worked for us for three years for Coach Lair. Um, myself and, and Liberty, he eventually got a full-time job at Limestone. We ended up keeping in touch. 
he's one of my closest friends. And so to be able to hire him as my um, top assistant here when I first got the job, it, it not only was a blessing, but it's the reason why we've been successful. Um, he's much better than me. Um, the things that I look for in an assistant are loyalty. I look for someone who can do a lot of different things. I look for someone who has grace in their home, grace in their marriage, grace in their heart, because I'm going to need a lot of it. I look for someone who's not sensitive because I'm going to say some things. I'm going to do some things that if you're sensitive, you're going to get bitter because when we're out on the court, you're accountable. And so what that means to me at that particular day, who knows? And so sometimes I don't have the greatest filter. And so just to work with one of my best friends who everyone in our program, everyone in our life, they all know how much we care about each other. They all know that we're partnering in this. I also look for a competitor, look for high integrity. And I just look for someone who's better than me. And so I don't have to look very long to find a list of people better than me, but I look for someone who can pick up on things that I'm weak in. And so I think there's a lot of leaders out there that when they become a leader or a head coach is they want to run from their weaknesses. The best leaders are the ones that know that are very aware of their weaknesses and they hire people to not only compliment them, but that they really shine um, at things that they're not good at. Coach Lair, who I worked for, obviously at uh, Liberty for a long time and is a dear friend of mine. We worked together at Mercer. We worked together. Um, he's been my boss. We've been coworkers. One of the things that he taught me along the way was to hire assistants like Buzz Williams, who's now his boss at Texas A&M, is one of the best up-and-coming coaches, I guess, in the nation. Certainly one of the most high – he's certainly one of the most well-paid um, I'll give him that, and he's a phenomenal leader and coach. Coach Lair originally hired him as an assistant. And so Coach Lair always really would talk to me about that. And so he was never, he was never uh, uncomfortable when I was an assistant of me, of, of him allowing me to use my strengths. And he's just that type of man, and he really – just has such a heart for let's just try to get it right. I, I don't, if it's my idea or your idea or whatever, let's just try to figure out what's best for our team. It, it doesn't, there's no insecurity over here on my part. Um, and so coach McKay, who I worked for there at Liberty as well, he has a, so much humility as well. He lets his assistants have unbelievable freedom and say, and in the office and on the floor, there's an environment where you can share your thoughts. You got to be a little bit more careful with Coach McKay because he might – he gets a little bit more dirty. <laughs> um, if he heard me say that, he probably would laugh, but it's, it's definitely true. And so I had to be a little bit more careful and have a little bit more of a filter on sharing my opinions around him. 
Uh, he got a little crazy in him like I do in me. <laughs> I say that in, a, in an awesome way because I think I love that part of his – he has such a heart for the Lord. He has such a heart for his staff and that Liberty community. But he also has such – deep down, he's such a competitor. Yeah. And so we try not to compete with ourselves yeah. um, as staffs. And, um, he, that those men uh, certainly have given me great examples. But I just think when you have good assistance, you have a chance. And I think yeah. when you don't, when you hire the wrong people, it's going to be tough to be successful because – you can say whatever you want to at practice or meetings or over text or in a home visit as a head coach, but the real guts of your program are the undercurrent, the culture when you're not around, the things that they're whispering to each other, the things that they're telling their parents. It's not really what they tell you, and that's what I've been finding out about being a head coach is that you get more of the the thank yous, you get more of the big – you get more of the the – bow getting wrapped up so to speak in a meeting or or a thank you or whatever but the real communication the real guts of the feelings and commitment and buy-in and belief in your program uh, starts and ends with the assistants and staff and then the players and you and in a way you can become isolated from that because people at times will tell you what you want to hear because you're now the boss. And yeah. so I had just been so used to, I was such a long time assistant there for a while. I was like, man, are there, is there not near as many problems um, here at OBU? And I knew that that wasn't true um, because of how good the programs were that I came from. So I said, you know, that's what's different about being a head coach is you, you, you don't get as much of, the uh information because it's it's like being a parent you know they they'll tell your brother and sister or your uncle but maybe they don't want to tell mom or dad because they don't want to get grounded and so yeah i uh very fortunate to be with josh um me and uh, coach sherard who's the associate head coach for the women's program and one of the best coaches by far that I've ever been around and worked with and worked alongside. He and I got to know Josh very quickly and we could tell very early on during that time at Liberty that Josh was just cut out from a different cloth um, from the family that raised him. His dad is a lifelong coach and strong believer and just anyways, Alexis yeah. and I love him and, and all the people at Liberty that worked with him that are still there um, know how lucky I am that he's um, spending a few years with me before he goes on to the division one level or a head yeah. coaching job. Yeah. Um, I have just one more question. One, one more question for you. Um, you were such a long time assistant coach. Um, when or how did you feel like it was a time to move on and move up to being a head coach in a program of your own? Another good question. I had just gotten to the point where I knew – I didn't know for sure whether I could – we would be successful or not. But I had been an assistant coach in all the different roles at the Division One level of my whole career. And I was just at that place where I wanted to – I had done so many 
coaching clinics, had so many um, experiences, been on so many teams, been on so many different roles and staffs, had been under the leadership of so many quality veteran leaders and Coach Lair, Coach McKay, Coach Hoffman, Coach Sampson, all these different men. I just at that point where I wanted to be a head coach and try some of my ideas and and I was I really had a I really have a heart for leadership not that I'm any good at it um but I just wanted to lead I wanted to uh just take that next step and see how it um worked out and so it wasn't that I thought that I was ready um I just was curious to try it out yeah Jay um I heard a podcast with JJ Reddick now I think was with the Pelicans and um, he said, you, you never arrive. You're always becoming, you know, and that always sucks with me. I think it sticks with me. I think, cause if you think you're perfect, you're ready, then you're, you're just going to face some tough adversity right there. But if you think it's a process and you're always just trying to get better little by little, then, then that's when success happens. Um, yeah, that's so true. I listen to that podcast as well. Yeah. JJ does a great job. Yeah. Um, you know, JJ, um, I don't know if he still holds um, those records, but when I was working at Liberty, he held several records in the Vine Center <laughs> of when he was in high school. They used to have the state tournament there. Yeah. And so you ought to look that up. But okay. he, he definitely is comfortable shooting the long ball in Lynchburg. Yeah. yeah. And so I <laughs> – to piggyback on uh, what you said and kind of give you a different perspective on it is most 99.9% .9 of coaches are men that are and ladies that are trying to figure it out and know that they don't know everything and they are trying to become. I would say some of the most successful guys at division three, division two, division one, junior college, high school, NBA, G league, they're all doing that. But the thing that I've really tried to stress and really bring out of our program, and I feel like it's been an effective teaching tool, is I think we were, I don't know how many games we had won. We had won like five games or, or eight games or whatever the previous two years before we got here. And so from day one, um, when Josh and I, took over this program, there's a bunch of veteran coaches and you'll always, you'll always face that as a new head coach or taking over a program that's not been successful is, yeah, I, I don't have the resume of this particular, we don't have the resumes of this particular staff. We don't have the, the recent success of these particular programs. But what I try to stress is that, yeah, we're going to keep improving and we don't know what we don't know and you're always becoming, but why can't we win? Yeah. And why can't we show up and do the work? Why can't we recruit well? Why can't, um, why can't we win tonight? Why can't, what, why can't OBU go to the NCAA tournament? And so one of the things that I want to ask the Lord, and I will remember it um, for the rest of my life, is – we ended up getting in a large bid to the NCAA tournament this year, which if you know anything about at large bids at the division one or division two level, it's 
it's really hard to get in that large yeah. pit. Just yeah. ask, uh, just ask anyone in any sport. <laughs> and so we were the last te- team that got invited to the NCAA tournament. And so the team that they, the committee um, matched us up with was Northwest Missouri State, who is the best, has been the, the best Division One or Division Two men's basketball program in the country for the last five years. They've won two of the last four national championships. They're, they're the best program, um, along with UVA, Northwest Missouri. There's a few programs, and they're one of them. And so we were on the bus headed up to Northwest Missouri. We were playing them opening round of the NCAA tournament in front of 5,000 um, people in, in their gym in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. So one of the things that we talked about all week going into the game is this concept of belief and this concept of freedom and this concept of why can't we, why can't we win? Why can't we compete? Why can't we believe at a high level? And so it obviously got canceled and, and uh, just like so many other things. Yeah. But I'll always wonder, always be curious as to how that game would have played out. We were the heavy underdog. I don't know what Vegas had it at um, as far as the point spread, but I'm sure it wasn't, um, wasn't many people that were picking the bison. And so I, I would just encourage – I would just encourage the – <clears throat> the coaches that are listening to this that are leaders that are assistant coaches that are head coaches is belief enthusiasm and togetherness those three things when you believe when your staff believes when your team believes it's real it's not something it's not a core value that you write on some sheet and share on some podcast when your team believes it's because you first had to believe it's you first had to really be all about it and so no matter what gym i ever walk into whether it's presbyterian or charleston southern those small gyms that we used longwood that we used to play in the big south um those gyms or whether we were playing kentucky Trying to think who else we played. Uh, you, played you, def- you definitely played well against Duke when you were a Mercer. Yes. <laughs> but no matter what gym I walk into as an assistant coach, as a head coach for the last 15 years, none of our Liberty, Mercer, Oklahoma Baptist players ever for one second would ever think that I wasn't super excited for the game that I couldn't wait to work with them and compete with them. And so you can't fake that. Whatever, whatever you are, those kids are going to figure it out. And so it doesn't matter what you say. If you, it doesn't matter what I say on this podcast. Whatever I'm about, they'll figure it out, and that will be our culture. And so I love, I love hoops. I love young people and the struggle that they go through. And I absolutely love competition. I'm addicted to, I love to compete. And if, and I got knocked down many a times um, as a player, as a coach, but I love it. I love it. And so just my last word um, or tip, if, if I would be even qualified to give a tip to anyone listening, 
is be excited for the opportunity that you have. And I have always loved every single opportunity that I've ever had. I loved every single day um, in my opportunities that I spent. I think it was, I'm trying to think if it was 10 years um, at Liberty. It's definitely the foundation of my coaching career, the beginning of it. Um, and I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about others. There's so many people at Liberty University um, that have such an amazing heart, that are awesome workers, that are awesome coaches, that are professors. They're, they're such a, there's such a great quality to the people that work there. And I think that's gotten lost a little bit um, during this past year. And so I, I think that's true. I think that's, that's what's really going on. And I, I just, you know, whether it be Brad Susie or, or the Hagens or Alexis Sherrard, who is, who's one of my dearest friends on the women's side, there's, there's such um, good people. And we're always pulling, um, my wife and I are always pulling for the flames um, in every way. And so it, it's, it's a, it's a little um, reminiscing to just see Liberty there on your – I know the podcasters can't see it, but just see Liberty in the background. And so what a great opportunity you have to be there and yeah. to build relationships and try to impact your um, student athletes because no matter if they go to Oklahoma Baptist, a great private Christian school, Liberty, biggest Christian school in the world, it doesn't mean that our young people aren't under attack – doesn't mean that they have this faith journey figured out. They need to see and feel and be modeled what it is to be a Christian coach, what it is to be a Christian man. And a part of that is them seeing us fail and keep moving forward. And so thank you for having me. I, uh, I wish you nothing but the best and uh, go flames. Thank you, coach. We like, we like to close out in prayer. Is there anything that we could be praying for you? Uh, just pray for um, just our program. Pray for my family, Meredith and Isaac. Um, just pray for, um, yeah, just my family and, and the kids that I'm around every day. Perfect. All right. Let me close out in prayer. <laughs> Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this conversation with Coach Aker. Thank you for opening up his heart so he could share a little bit about his story and um, about all he, that he is about. And um, Lord, I pray that Oklahoma Baptist will have a great season coming up if, you, if, if it's your will, Lord, and you give uh, fearlessness to, to Coach Aker and his staff to guide his men to become more like you on a daily basis. Um, Lord, and I pray for Meredith and his son Isaac, um, that you guide Coach Aker to, to be the best man that he can be for them in, uh, in every day. Lord, and uh, thank you so much for your love for all of us. Hear my pray. Amen. So, Chad, what, what do you think of the interview? Yeah, there's uh, so, many, so many things, so many takeaways. Um, I think my biggest one was uh, I loved how he went to the retreat before the season here and, and mentioned counseling just uh, for a coach to be pouring out so much into the student athletes that he knows that he needs to be filled up uh, so that he can go out and pour out every day. Alongside with that thought, I liked uh, his quote that the best leaders know what their weaknesses are and they don't run from them. 
And I think in that situation, he was talking about self-awareness as well as what was he, he was looking for in an assistant coach. I think you could see how passionate he was about his assistant coach um, that he met at Liberty. And then that was his first phone call when he got the job at Oklahoma Baptist. Um, Jason knows exactly who he is and who he is not. And he was able to hire a coach that could compliment him. For sure. And uh, I, I really um, felt that you can hear the humility in his voice, knowing that he's trying to hire people that are better than him. Yeah, that's, that's always very important for us to keep in mind as we build a staff. Um, coaches, this is the end of this podcast. And uh, remember, the mission field is right where you're at. See you next week.